0: the consummate athlete and our july q a episode i'm molly herford i'm an author of four books on cycling with a series on young girls getting into bikes coming out next summer uh, which i'm very excited about i also write about all different kinds of sports fitness nutrition outdoors fun stuff uh kind of a mix of things much like our podcast is a mix of all different types of athletics and training and fun stuff like that
1: and I'm Peter Glassford. I'm a registered kinesiologist and an endurance coach and Molly's co-host as well here on the Consummate Athlete Podcast.
0: All right, so what have we been up to? Uh, at, last, uh, at last we talked. We were in Madison, Wisconsin. That was last week. Uh, we've since finished our trek across the country and uh, ended in Ellicottville, New York for a couple days just to ride some bikes. We had a friend who was having his 40th birthday, and a bunch of us kind of showed up to surprise him with a weekend full of mountain biking and checking out the brewery and all the good stuff that Ellicottville has to offer.
1: Yeah, it was quite good getting uh, sort of a break. I had just raced mountain bike nationals for Canada out on the West Coast, and so it was good to have sort of a, a down week where we went to Madison, which is a city we really like, and then hung out with a bunch of friends and did sort of fun rides and hung out.
0: Yeah, I feel like it was a very different weekend for you going from Saturday to Saturday. You know, the Saturday before, you were racing nationals against, you know, top racers in Canada. And then a week later, you're, you know, just kind of trekking through these really cool, kind of funky, very old school, single track trails in Ellicottville with, I'm going to say a herd of people following you. I think there were about 10 of us on the one day.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, I I had a few clients or different people sort of ask, you know, there was O cups and stuff this past next weekend. So our provincial races on the weekend following nationals and sort of wondering where I was. And I mean, I I probably would have raced had we been home. Um, But it's one of those things it's after those big races, uh, especially endurance races. I mean, the cross-country Olympic discipline is not that long that it really matters, but it's pretty important to take that that week relaxed, right? Sort of it used to be called, a, or it is called a transition week or an off week or a rest, more than a rest week, right? Like, there's that mental come down after you peak. I don't know how much I peaked. I guess I peaked a little, Um after those A races, right? And it depends so much on the person, but I think it's good, you know, it's sort of mid-season, mid-year. Take just a mental break and then start back, right? And I mean, it was convenient. We had to drive back across North America. Uh, so it worked well in that respect, but it's one of those things that if you don't take it, a lot of times, you know, if you are you have another race, you know, usually in the end of the summer or early fall, or you're going into cyclocross season, which we're going to talk a bit about today. If you don't take those breaks right to just sort of refresh mentally let alone physically you know it's tough so yeah I think it was the a a perfect week in a lot of respects we did some fun stuff and sat for an extended period which the only way to really make me do that is drive across the country so mission accomplished there and then yeah hung out with a lot of people we hadn't hung out with in a long time and you know having we it was actually a really special sort of weekend we had I don't know, people that I haven't seen together and a bunch of worlds colliding sort of different friends from different groups meeting up. So it was really, really cool weekend.
0: Yeah. It also reminded me that I really do enjoy riding mountain bikes with other people. Uh, You know, it was not just a group of like super, super pro people. It was a pretty mixed ability group, I'm going to say. And You know, there were quite a few of the ladies that I got to just kind of ride around with, and I had so much fun. Um, A lot of the time, you know, I'm the really slow one in the group because I'm riding with Peter and his friends who are all ridiculously good. Um, But these people were not in it to, you know, shred up the uphills as fast as they could or, like, push each other on anything we were all just out for a really fun, you know, cruise around the forest, so kind of rediscovered why I like riding with other people sometimes, and it was a good reminder that I should get out and ride with some rad ladies around here more often. So I think that was good, and I think just, uh, you know, we got to spend a lot of time with people that we really like, and as Peter said, don't get to see that often, and, you know, we've talked a bunch about on this podcast but then also Peter and I talk about it all the time um, the value of community in terms of healthy living and I mean I think that's part of why we started this podcast so we could talk to a bunch of new people and you know talk to all of you and you know it's a part of why I've stayed in cycling for as long as I have I mean it's probably not even the sport that I'm the most competent at but the community in it is what kind of keeps bringing me back even if I'm not the best cyclocross racer in the world. I'm, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's
1: interesting. I was listening to the CX Harris podcast, which is one of our, our sister or brother podcasts on uh, the con-
0: wide angle. Podium wide angle. Podium. Thank
1: you. Uh, so definitely check it out. And they had an episode here just with, um, reigning world champion.
0: Uh, I think he got Vanderpool. This year. Yeah. It Math- Vanderpool. Matthew Vanderpool. No,
1: he didn't get it. That was the heartbreak, but he won every other race basically of the season. Um, and now he's racing mountain bikes and competing with Nino and stuff. So they had him on, and then also Christopher Blevins, who's one of the, you know, I, I probably even top uh, U.S. mountain bikers.
0: He also won U23 cross nationals, and I believe it was probably, like, maybe maybe his second cross race of the season. Possibly his first.
1: Uh, no, he did a bunch in, especially, like, he did L.A. and but stuff. Like, so, anyhow, you'll find out about what he did. It's, it's on the, the episode. A great episode. I, I usually do not like... Uh, podcasts with just cyclists, basically. That's why we started this podcast. Um, not huge on racers, since I am one. It's you know I only. That's that's who I am. Um, but it actually was really good. Some really good training topics on it. You know, just some really good insight. Uh, both of them were fairly well spoken, and yeah, so it was really really good episode. Definitely check that episode out on CX Hairs. Um, I had a point, though. Where where was I going with that? I don't
0: know. I started talking about community, and you got into pro racing, which I feel like is not always the the most connected to that.
1: Yeah, I don't know where I was going with that. I I did have a segue. I swear to God. I
0: I assume it was probably just that we're part of an awesome community in the Wide Angle podium Network. Let's
1: let's go with that, I guess. It'll it'll come back to me, but... um...
0: Yeah, anyway, community is super important, and actually, I am so freaking excited for next week's episode. We've already recorded it, but I've been kind of waiting for like the perfect time to release it, because it's like uh, it's like when you buy Christmas presents for people, and part of the best part about that is like the anticipation waiting for Christmas Day to give the presents to people and see them open it. That's kind of how I feel about this upcoming podcast and sharing it with our listeners.
1: This is... Which one?
0: (laughs) We have Chris McDougall, the Uh, author of Born to Run and Natural Born Heroes. You guys have heard me talk about, you know, Natural Born Heroes was the June Athletic Bookworms book club pick. You guys have heard me talk about these books for forever. It's why I started running barefoot. It's why I started running marathons. It's why I, like, it really helped foster my love of running.
1: And you talk me into running. I mean, I've always ran as part of my sort of cross-training for cycling, but... uh, you talked me into reading it and it's a tremendous book. Like it's one of the few books that I actually like, I, I wouldn't say binge read. I don't read as fast as Molly does, but um, read it, you know, pretty voraciously. Uh, so if you haven't read born to run, definitely get on that. Uh, but we, yeah, it's, it's a really fun podcast and he talks a lot about sort of his upcoming book and his latest book. Uh, the last released book, I should say, which is... Um,
0: Natural Born Heroes. Natural
1: Born Heroes, which is also quite good and sort of goes into that... Really, it's a lot about the zone, right? And, and flow state?
0: Sort of. It's actually more about kind of creating heroes who are ready for ever- anything. But I mean, I guess, yes, they get into the flow state in certain situations. Right. And being
1: engaged in yeah, activity, yeah.
0: But a lot about kind of community even within that book but then he's actually gotten very much into the concept of community sort of in some of his upcoming projects and I don't want to give too much away but definitely tune in next week for that episode I cannot tell you how excited I am about it
1: so. yeah it, it, that one episode turned out really great it was really interesting but definitely a great author as far as tying sport into like a narrative there's very few authors that, that do it as well I mean um what is the triathlon one? Iron War.
0: I love Iron War by Matt Fitzgerald. Yeah, too. that's that. Same that's thing.
1: also a book that like will basically make you want to do an a triathlon. Yeah,
0: probably don't read it if you don't have any intention of doing an Iron Man.
1: I mean, just promise yourself you're not gonna do what the book tells you, but you're gonna really enjoy the read. No,
0: cancel your credit cards beforehand. Yeah. Like, make it impossible to sign up for one.
1: So, on top of uh, books, what's up in the athletic bookworms? Which they can find. Where can we find links? We'll link to it in show notes. But where else is, do you have a <laughs> sort of link? Some sort of short link, Bitly. <laughs>
0: Just keep going. See There's how long you can uh, talk google about this. The Google one. I think
1: it's like goo.gle or something.
0: Anyway, uh, this we decided to do a joint book review for July and August since a lot of people are obviously on vacation and stuff. It was tempting to do like eight books for some reading, but I decided to give myself a little bit of a break too and not have to do quite as much work around it. You can find the Athletic Bookworms book club over on theoutdooredit.com this month's is let your mind run a memoir of thinking my way to victory uh by dina castor it's awesome so far i'm halfway through and it's really kind of rekindling my love of running which is great because i have my like one race of the season that's stupid long coming you up
1: have two you, you have the well uh, i have a race you have and, a then, race I and then you have a race against the strava gods or the mm-hmm. fastest known time gods the 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 clock.
0: Yep. Yep. I'm a little afraid to even like mention that one yet because that's such a weather dependent situation. So as, as most of you know, I'm trying for this fastest own time thing. Um, on
1: the Clarney trail, on
0: the Clarney trail, which is the
1: one we walked and we did two episodes basically on that, I guess.
0: Yeah. You can check those out. They're back in May and early June. It's the La Cloche silhouette trail the women's fastest known time is about 14 and a half hours um and I think I can get under that but it's definitely you know it's tricky it's there's a lot of variables and one of the big ones is just weather so you know after this 50k that I have at the end of August we're gonna start watching the forecasts and look for kind of a few sunny days in that area and You know, you don't want to end up out there when it's pouring rain or when it's just poured rain. That is not a trail that handles water very well. So if you're going to make good time on it, it kind of has to be in a good condition.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: So, Peter also needs to get his running shoes on. Well, we got it in
1: today. We got in uh, run number one on the training plan. So, it's good.
0: That's right. Actually, so today we decided to jump into uh, the gym that we both work at. Active Life here in Collingwood does a monthly chalkboard challenge. And their challenge this month was to run up this local uh, trail that goes up our ski hill. It's called the Grind. So, Peter and I decided on the last day, the last possible day, we would uh, go in and make our attempt. Went pretty well.
1: Yeah, I think so. Ryan Atkins and Lindsay Webster, who have both been on the podcast, they are uh, OCR, which is Obstacle Course Racing. Uh, they are pros. They both have quite good times on that, but... Uh, We're coming for you. Something to aspire to. Yeah, yeah, we'll get them for sure. <laughs> but,
0: anyway. Yeah,
1: well, let's get into it here. Uh, I'm just trying to think of the best segue out of the books and stuff.
0: I don't know that there is a great segue into this. Yeah.
1: I mean, we got a lot of cycle cross stuff today. We have a little bit on the, the paleo side of things. Um, well, let's start nutrition. with
0: that. The It pa- is at the top. Paleo was the first question we got asked. So my, my dear friend Jordan asked about uh, shifting to a vegan paleo diet. Is it possible? How do you do it?
1: Well, so is, so is I, I, it only matters so much, but is is Jordan already vegan or is he already paleo because or where, already what, what side of the fence are we standing on
0: the vegan side is
1: it a fence or is it like a like a rotating gate
0: um i don't know if it's a rotating gate or a fence
1: right one of those things that keeps cattle out but lets deer through or something i'm that's not a thing th- no, i just invented that
0: i'm trying to think of a good metaphor for you but I okay just, I so can't.
1: basically paleo diet that's this idea um that you're going to eat sort of Vegetables, uh, meat, nuts, seeds. I say
0: the traditional way of thinking about it is this: like very caveman meat-heavy diet. Yeah, has been sort of the stereotype.
1: Yeah, and that's that sort of makes you sound like you're a crazy person. Um, so the ancestral diet, you know, if you think about how like your great 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 grandparents would have ate, is probably a good way to think about it, and sort of people are less offended by that. Uh, So ancestral diet or um, evolutionary biology is another way to look at that. So historically, what if humans ate and then what is, you know, have Cheetos evolved, you know, a little quicker than, you know, is that is that a good thing for us to eat? Uh, So, Uh. yeah, so that's. Paleo, we'll call that for lack of a better thing, but you could think of it, you know, I try and think of it more of as that ancestral, like what did our grandparents eat? And and it's a framework, right? Obviously some of us do better, some of us are allergic to peanuts, some of us, you know, are reactive to the gluten or whatever we're reactive to, right? So it's, it's a framework and not so much this is the rules.
0: Vegan, on the other hand, is more rule-based. It's you know no animal products, including dairy and eggs.
1: Yeah, and I mean, no one's judging you. So I mean, I think both of them essentially are a framework. But yes, there's there's perhaps more restrictive rules in that, like if you're going to be a vegan, it may be for you know religious or environmental or emotional. Or there's a lot of stuff wrapped up in in eating in general so let's Um, say this
0: question is like surrounded or with like the ethical confines of veganism not like oh i'm just eating plant-based because that's what i
1: and i think that's really the only way we can do this right because i think at some point if if you're just like i want to eat the best diet for me then that's a different question right like it it might have the the two don't really clash that much aside from the fact that there's meat there right and you can certainly get fairly ethical meat i actually just picked up a, a whole cow from a, a farmer who like you know
0: to be clear we did not put the cow no in the car.
1: Uh, it, it has been gone through the process of of that. and, and that's that's really what this whole the the quandary here comes from so it does seem like it it's sort of at odds that we have this veganism and then paleo because paleo is always so associated with meat um so the, the first, I think, important definition is that paleo is really macronutrient agnostic, okay? So it's not saying that it's low carb or high protein. You could really do whatever you wanted as long as it's coming from vegetables, meat, nuts, seeds, fruits, okay? So we're excluding dairy, legumes, uh, grains, sugar, like processed sugar, uh, and so that's essentially the, the divider there. So you could certainly do a vegan diet, and you would just exclude the part where I said meat, so then you would have left vegetables, fruit, nuts, seeds. Um, And I think because you're trying to sort of blend two things, what you might elect to do in that case, and and in these cases what I've seen people do, is you would do maybe a bitter bit of an investigation into preparing your legumes and preparing your grains, so that would be usually soaking sprouting things like that to make them a little bit more digestible bioavailable uh, and, and that would be sort of the the hack if you will that you would apply to get a bit more of those protein nutrients and even just calories right because pretty quickly if you start saying oh, i'm going to be a vegan and i'm going to be on paleo diet then it's pretty quickly we've eliminated a lot of things and you just want to be careful with that right At some point you do need nutrients so the other thing i would then look into and i personally would work with someone um if i was going to take an approach like this uh, both for the testing side of things to be able to order some blood work um, and then also just sort of have an objective voice that i'm working with uh, because you're going to run into you know your classic Um, I had these all written down, B vitamin, choline, iodine, omega-3, not to mention things just even protein to make sure that you're you're hitting all those amino acids. Um, So we'll link to a few articles sort of related to this topic in the show notes, Uh, but I would definitely get in and work with someone if you're going to go pretty hardcore on this and see how you feel. And I think that's really the ultimate question is how you're feeling, how you're rolling. You know, what is the goal? Uh, Try it for a month. And then see how you're, you're rolling, right? And um, you may find that, you know, you want to maybe try adding in, again, if it's ethical, if it's religious, then it's not as much an option. But I've seen people sort of go back to things like eggs, go back to things like honey, go back to things, I mean, honey doesn't really apply here, but as an example of something that would be excluded on a lot of vegan diets um that does have some b vitamins and and other nutrients uh but then i've also seen and it's sort of curious to me but there's things like oysters uh and we'll link to this uh, i think it's the article i'll try and do more research but it definitely references it uh but things like oysters that don't have a nervous system um and there's you know fairly environmental um and the just the practices of harvesting and stuff aren't quite as crazy as you know something else where if you were going to pick on the beef industry or something like that so that would be another thing i would look at if you are sort of like willing to sort of overlap your venn diagrams and circles uh to see how you could make sort of a vegan paleo-esque diet work for you so those are hopefully some ideas there and again we'll put a few links and ideas in the show notes over at consummateathlete.com
0: Yeah, I think my only addition to that would be, as far as supplementation goes, I mean, there are plenty of ways you can supplement. And again, Peter's right, you should check in with doctors and do blood work and stuff. But there are a lot of natural, I guess, paleo-friendly or friendlier uh, supplement things that don't just come in pill form. Uh, Spirulina, for example, has all of the um, amino acids and it has all of the B B vitamins, like the full spectrum of them. Um, some of them have iodine in them and omega-3s, flax oil and stuff like that is still kind of in that kind of okay paleo, but also vegan side of things and would be, you know, omega-3s. So, uh, supplementing does not necessarily mean just out of a bottle. That's a mistake that I definitely made when I was vegan was like, I had just a shelf of supplements and I don't think any of them actually helped me. I probably should have just eaten more vegetables, to be
1: honest. Well, and, and that's definitely what you'd have to be on top of, right? Is making sure that that dietary quality is quite high. And that's really, again, what the the paleo framework is all about is, is trying to get that nutritional density up. Um, and again, so where those overlap, you know, it might inc- start to include eggs or might start to include shellfish or or something like that right
0: yeah the only and okay so sorry I had two things uh the second thing I'd say is it's really easy to under eat within this construct if you're an athlete like you know eating either one of these ways can end up being really low on the caloric spectrum but I'd say the combination of vegan and paleo is going to put you You know, you have to be super careful that you're getting enough calories and actually fueling your workouts and stuff.
1: And maybe that's even a segue. We had a few of my clients and just put out questions to sort of around how I eat, uh, given that I'm racing at a relatively high level. I'll call it a moderate level uh, in a fairly high intensity and endurance sport. Um, And so I have followed a paleo framework for the last, I don't know how long it's been probably 10 years now. Um, and definitely at the beginning I was very much on the like only vegetables didn't, hadn't really discovered the sweet potato, which I'm now somehow associated with.
0: Uh, Uh, you put it out there, dear.
1: I mean, my nickname may be sweet potato Pete and I may have invented that. So feel feel free to use. I didn't really invent that, but no one's actually ever called me that.
0: Please call him that.
1: (laughs) Um, but just to have things where there's actually calories, and, you know, associated. And that could be on the fat side of things. That could be on the carbohydrate side of things. Uh, again, it's macronutrient agnostic. But my mistakes early was that I was very much on the, like, cauliflower and salad. And I've um, heard
0: from people who Peter lived with at the time that this is a very unpleasant time to be around people.
1: Yeah, that goes around, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do you want to scroll that down for me? Um, so the... What I'm eating right now, essentially, I try not to belabor this, but the question was sort of around sort of if we did an off day, what would I eat? And then on a 90 minute endurance day and then on a hard and or long day, so over 90 minutes. So on an off day, it would be sort of a vegetable, fruit, meat, nuts, seeds day. Um, And I should preface that this is given that I am fairly lean and not trying to lose weight or gain weight at the moment. So that just goes without saying, obviously, if someone was trying to lose weight, we would have to tighten up on things maybe more than even I do. Um, So generally on an off day, then I would stick to a pretty paleo-esque thing. You know, I might still, I mean, it's an odd day. I don't have sweet potatoes or potatoes or, or something like that as well. Um, but I would try and not do as much as far as cereal, which we'll talk about in a second. I do love cereal. Um, Definitely try and not do dairy and try and not do grains or or just the higher calorie things that are really easy to overeat on off days. So the idea overarching theme is that I'm going to fuel the work that I'm doing. So on an off day, uh, especially one where I'm not just completely depleted from like a stage race or something, the days before um then that would be it, it would be a pretty paleo s day uh get my meat in get my fats in get my my veggies in uh on a 90 minute endurance day it wouldn't be a ton different um maybe taking a bit on the ride um but probably not a lot and then again i would have sweet potatoes probably more voraciously on those days certainly at breakfast most days we do have sweet potato like,
0: i almost want to put a picture of our grocery bill in the show notes that, it that is, might be helpful it is like 15 percent sweet potatoes
1: <laughs> yeah and then on a harder long day so that's when the paleo sort of framework then gets skewed a little bit because these over 90 minute endurance festivals are not overly paleo so that's where honestly i'm pretty lazy so i mean it's bars it's gels uh and then again i would probably have some sort of cereal those days um cheerios have been plain cheerios have been my thing lately but often we'll buy what is that one called like mesa crunch
0: mesa sunrise
1: mesa sunrise uh which is just like whatever a grain-based cereal we'll do a, i do a lot of like uh quote-unquote uh, organic rice krispies uh but puffed rice type stuff um And and I think the overarching thing here with all of this, I do a lot of blueberries, a lot of berries, melons. Um, I'm just trying to avoid, for me, is sort of I don't have a lot of soy, don't have a lot of dairy, don't have a lot of, no wheat generally. Um, And again, sort of paleo-esque, but with sort of a a loose, you know, post-workout, pre-workout with sort of the the grains to try and get calories in.
0: Yeah, and I mean, I'll say like, I've seen when we're on kind of bigger rest, you know, rest months even, you do shift to a much more, like, stringent paleo framework, but I think, you know, what you've figured out over the years is that when you're trying to train at the super high level, it's really hard to do that on a very strict paleo.
1: Yeah, and again, you run into issues like just digestive issues, right? Yeah, like it's exactly. very hard to eat kale and try and get in 6,000 calories, right? Like it's just not possible. And it's not going to result well in your performance. Um, you know, and I'm definitely eating, like, I think I've improved in that in the last couple seasons and that's been quite helpful. And I've seen actually improvements, which is late in my career to see those improvements, but just even eating in rides, um, has been a huge, huge benefit. hmm um, I don't know if we need, do we need to go into actually what the meals, why don't I just post that in the show notes, sort of what br- a breakfast, lunch, uh, and dinner talks about and Maybe we just talk even about some of these tricks because you can communicate some of those too, uh, which I think will be more valuable. Um, so to me, I think one of the coolest things I've heard is, you know, we're all aiming for this hundred percent. So especially with paleo or veganism or something like that, it's very easy to think, Oh, I need to be a hundred percent. I mean, vegans maybe a bad example. Let's use paleo, but um, you know, you slip a little bit. You know, I have some Rice Krispies with breakfast. So then oh, I may as well have a burrito and, you know, what else is something? A brownie for lunch. Um, I like
0: that you can't even think of things. I'm like, <laughs> what is the end of this list?
1: Yeah, I'll preface that I'm probably the most boring person ever. But um, the idea is that, you know, we're fighting for little wins. So even though, you know, you have Rice Krispies for breakfast because that's what the kids are having, like, you could still get a salad and some meat for lunch. Like, you don't have to throw the whole day around. Like, it's not... No one's judging you for your 100%, but, like, rather than going from your 1% at breakfast because you had some blueberries with your Rice Krispies or something and then just throwing it all away, like, why not add 20% and have a salad at lunch?
0: Your math is getting really confusing.
1: I don't know why there's numbers involved. But, you know, just because you, like have one bad thing i guess is the message right so keep fighting for little gains uh is sort of the one trick that i like do you have another trick
0: well i think you're you're right with just kind of coming back to the paleo framework i always joke that my diet is more like paleo plus treats
1: yeah Um, yeah a lot of people who end up hanging out with me for any time end up doing paleo plus something often like the one i just
0: keep mine open-ended
1: taylor was candy but, I, I mean, that's it, right? Like, I mean, it's not that we're always full paid. We go to Molly Loves Mexican, so we're often at Mexican restaurants. Like, uh, I really like Thai, so we go to Thai restaurants. Sometimes I'll get Thai with just veggies, on, with curry on top of veggies, but often I really like rice, and I'll get rice. That's how Thai was made to be had. Um so I'm trying to think of other, what are some other tricks? we have? Substitutions, I think, are an obvious one, right? You know, people always talk about, you know, you, they can't control you know, there's the family, they maybe don't make the meals. A lot of my clients are in this situation where their partner makes the meals. Um, it's actually cool. I have a bunch of female clients who the, the their husbands are, are actually making the meal, which is <laughs> cool Cool to see.
0: Props to the husbands.
1: Um, But, you know, how do you, you can't really tell the person that's cooking. Maybe you could have that conversation, but... You know, sometimes it's just, you know, you have more vegetables and less of the rice or pasta, right? But we, we do a little bit of the spaghetti squash instead of pasta, cauliflower instead of rice. Uh, what other substitutes do we make?
0: I mean, I guess almond
1: milk instead of milk is one we do a lot of. Sure. Smoothie instead of milk. We'll do smoothie on top of cereals One I do a lot. You do that. Yeah. So like berries basically blend it up on top of my Cheerios.
0: Yeah, and I mean, little things like, I won't eat buns with my burgers. Yeah. Despite the fact that I'm not gluten-free. like It just, I just cuts
1: the calories. I think that's a waste. Yeah, yeah. you've always done that. That's an odd one, but... It's conveniently, hard to eat. Conveniently paleo.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: um. What well, else do we do?
0: I think I mean, just adding vegetables to everything, because, I mean, for a couple of reasons. One, you get an extra serving of vegetables, but then, two, you get this extra bulk, so you feel fuller, so, you know... Every morning with breakfast, like there's always a huge amount of spinach in with our eggs, it's it's more like spinach with eggs than eggs with spinach. Most mornings, I'd say.
1: Yeah, and I mean that's even a takeaway. Like people look for a lot of variety, right? And I mean we, the same. I mean we'll maybe go potatoes or sweet potatoes in the morning with eggs and spinach or kale, sometimes both. I get really sometimes with peppers. About kale. Sometimes with peppers. Sometimes with bacon. Um, but it's pretty like all in a pan covered. Um, and, and so that takes a lot of the thought process out, right? There's just never, neither of us has ever, well, should we have those Cheerios, right? we just never have that for breakfast, even though they're even there. Um, and then I think keeping stuff out of the house, right? Like just trying not to have, if we have pasta, you know, or a loaf of bread or something, like I'll just polish that off pretty quickly.
0: I think that's, so I'm going to argue this point actually, because I think it's different for different people. So for you, you can't have it because you will demolish it, which I've seen. Um, Me, on the other hand, if I don't have it, there's a much greater chance that I'm going to go out and end up getting something that's bigger and worse than if I just had, like, you know, my bowl of whatever cereal or my, like, one cookie or, like, you know, whatever little thing.
1: Because, I mean, if you go to a coffee shop and get a single cookie versus, like, buying like stacks like a, a box of cookies like a whole thing of oreos
0: i mean a i would never buy uh, i would buy oreos back in my vegan days because they are technically vegan
1: this uh, is why the paleo framework is, is yeah useful. not
0: paleo um <laughs> yeah i do think so i think i would end up spending a lot more money and i think i would end up grumpily leaving the house a lot more often
1: well this conversation is about money though Right? Like, sometimes having to spend money is good because it's going to dissuade you from doing it, hopefully.
0: <laughs> it's a pretty big, hopefully.
1: Some- somehow our cookie budget has obscured <laughs> the sweet potato budget.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Check back in next month for our grocery bill. I'm not saying you should keep a ton of crap in the house. I'm just saying if you're the kind of person that, like, you know, does kind of still have that sweet tooth and stuff, there's really nothing massively wrong, in my opinion, with having, you know, a little bit of chocolate around so you can have, like, the one chunk of chocolate a day instead of, you know, going kind of stir-crazy and ending up going out and getting, like, an extra large, you know, blizzard from Dairy Queen for no good reason at, like, 10 p.m., this might be the male versus female hormonal side of things. I'm yeah, not I sure. I mean there's
1: certainly an element, you know, you gotta figure out how you tick and where those those habits are but This is
0: where that Gretchen Rubin like abstainers versus moderators comes in. For some people it's a lot easier to just not have something and it's just like it's off the table, you just don't do it and other people don't work well under that and end up caving. So they're better off doing things small amounts moderation.
1: Yeah, for sure. For sure. And I think that's where the substitutes maybe start, you know, you start easing yourself a bit towards, you know, how can we yeah, make definitely. that chocolate slightly different without, you know, trick yourself into it, you know, or slightly less, yeah, like, you know, is slightly amping up the, the darkness of the chocolate or
0: yuck. Well, don't ruin the chocolate. Or even
1: just, you know, sometimes it's, it's the habits, right? Even more so than the food. So, you know, we have, there's a mountain bike club here on Thursday nights and then there's run club on Wednesdays. So, you know, it might be something like distracting yourself, you know, a few nights of the week to try and just jumpstart a different like routine. Right. Cause sometimes it's that watch TV, you know, have a bottle of wine, have a whole chocolate bar, you know, go to bed and not sleep well. So it's somehow, how do you change that? Right. Like, is it a walk? You know, the habits are a big part of it. The food we always talk about. Uh, but sometimes it's just how do you tweak that, that habit right
0: my trick has always been if i do want to cut down if i'm like finding myself like hitting dessert every night is just shifting to like adding strawberries to whatever i was having and then kind of over a few days dropping the other thing bit by bit till eventually it's just a couple strawberries and i'm good
1: you yeah, you've seen the Bane, Strawberries are Rich in Fiber. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty good. If you look up Bane, like rap, Bane, the like, character from Batman, and he talks about strawberries are rich in fiber, and it's pretty amazing.
0: All right, moving on. Lots of lots of little ways you That's can trick yourself into being healthy, but let's move away from nutrition and into some training. So the, the one question we've been getting a lot, kind of because this past weekend was two, two equally important points wise races back to back saturday and sunday There is an ontario cup um they had had to redo the schedule because of snow earlier in the season so it was two races in a weekend and sort of it's at the tail end of the season right so this is sort of sh- all the categories are shaking out for their overalls and everything so it's not just about the one race it's about how you are in the series
1: yeah, and we're coming up to cycle cross season, so a lot of people are into those double weekends of two races back to back, Saturday, Sunday.
0: Oh, that's right.
1: And then also, you know, the big drama in the World Cup mountain biking this year it's not back to back, but Friday and Sunday, uh, short track Friday, cross country Sunday. Uh, there's lots of different races that are, are sort of twice in a weekend or back to back. So the question is what do you do?
0: Do I go slow on Saturday?
1: Yeah. So the, the thought process is, you know, people are like, oh, I should hold something in for Sunday. And, and I mean, perhaps if there was some sort of tactic to that, but usually it's like a survival tactic. Um, and in my opinion, you know, unless this was, you know, a seven day stage race, an endurance race of some type, you know, the stages were very long. Then you would pace those stages. But I, if you're racing, you're racing. Because I think what happens from a mental standpoint is if you hold back and you're like, oh, you know, you almost self-handicap in that, oh, I I held back. I only got whatever position I got. I didn't win on Saturday, but like Sunday, I'm going to stick it to them. It's very rare that you're actually able to stick it to whoever you're sticking it to if you're thinking that way in the first place. Because if you're the person who's winning, you're probably going to win so the best tactic in a two-day thing so cyclocross or this two-day mountain bike situation we had is to go all in and race the best race you can this doesn't mean go hard in the first five minutes and then fade and then blow up and your saturday is a horrible race because that's not saving yourself that's completely annihilating yourself five minutes into the race but race the race like it's its own race on saturday and then most people are going to do the double, presumably. It's very odd that people would come and just race Sunday, some will, but that's fine. And then you're going to have probably twenty four hours to recover and race the other race. So in cyclocross, this is very common, right and and maybe if it was if there was a tactic to it, I mean you would see that right in when some of the races there's like a Pan Ams or something. I was going to
0: say a lot of the time there's a C2 on Saturday and a C1 the race that has higher points on Sunday so you do have a lot of racers that will actually skip Saturday's race or if they're not doing well in the first couple laps of the race they sort of they won't like completely drop out of the race a lot of the time but they will you'll see them pull the plug on their save a few
1: matches yeah yeah. just ride her out um, and so there's there's that thing, but I think the mental side of that is very, very risky.
0: We're also not talking about the top five racers in the world right? In, that in pan, this question. That Pan Ams <laughs>
1: applies to very few people. So I think the the people that I've seen do this, it's, it's very, I guess, it, in a lot of cases, we're preserving, like, an ego a little bit on Saturday by saying, oh, I held it back, something for Sunday. But then the problem is when the people go around you on Sunday... What is the thought process? Well, I held it all in and now there's still the same guys going around me, right? Like the race is going to shake out. Like generally there's not that much difference day to day, right? You know, people progress over the season, they gain fitness and stuff. But, you know, especially in these local races, but even in, you know, UCI races, like, you know who the people are, the favorites are the favorites, the top 10 doesn't change that much. So if it's a race, we race. You know, I, I'm not a big fan of training races, um, you know, doing races for experience or whatever. Like, you know, you get experience at of races, but when you go into a race, you race. If you don't want to race, then just don't race. Like go ahead and do intervals. Right. It's
0: a hard line, but I like it.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I just think that's the way to do it. I I rarely see that like holding it back or racing, you know, subpar working yeah. out like what the benefit is. I'm not sure.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I I could not agree more and I mean, I'll say like I've seen the top people in the world doing giving it their all, you know, leaving everything out there, being done with the race on Saturday and like legitimately dry heaving at the finish line because they've gone so deep and then coming back and winning on Sunday. So I just don't think that that like is really 24
1: hours like You're going to be down a peg, but for sure. Like, you just... You're going to... And our brains, right? Like, just from a pacing mechanism, I I just think it's such a a dangerous game to play. So I think, you know, reading Endure by uh, Hutchinson. Alex Hutchinson, We've had him on. Um, Fitzgerald's, like, brain training and how bad do you want it? I think these are going to enforce this concept if you're looking for something to back up what I'm saying.
0: And I think Um, also, you know, at the end of the day, if you... Kill it on Saturday. If you have a great result. Momentum, right? Like, tell me you're not going to feel awesome heading into You're going to have the best day of your life,
1: for sure. Um, The only, maybe if I I was trying to think through exceptions and arguments, as they do when we argue about things. Um, You?
0: No. So
1: the exception would be, like, someone training, Molly's training for a 50K right now. So I I could see doing, you know, she's, okay, I want to motivate myself. I'm going to jump into, like, a, a random race, whatever the distance, a sub, um, sub distance. What, a, what's a tr- I'm looking for like a, a shorter race. Um, and she's going to use that instead of her like Saturday interval ride, or, you know, people do this with group rides often. And my stance on group rides is similar. people are like, Oh, what heart rate for the group rides? You know, just go into the group ride and win. Cause most group rides are races. Right. And that's why I'm, I find group rides frustrating, but like essentially those are races, right? Like they're, you're in there and you're, you're not going to get dropped or else you're going to feel miserable. So if you go to a group ride, you better be ready to go um
0: tell you what if i could find a marathon in the next two weeks i would totally do it like just a road marathon road trail anything just probably for the trail
1: sake. i don't know if you need a road marathon i
0: would do it just for the sake of having like those you know stops every mile or so where they have you well, know there you go anyone in
1: ontario if you have a race you can send molly that information i'm pretty sure there's a lot of races in ontario so you'll be in trouble
0: preferably preferably trail but anyway oh, what are we moving on to uh last question um tra- transitioning because we're about to hit Uh, You know, cyclocross season, hashtag cross is coming. Uh, You know, a lot of people will race mountain road and you could keep racing on the mountain bike or on the road bike through September if you wanted to, but cyclocross kicks off uh, September 1st.
1: Yeah. So this is part of what I was alluding to in the intro with the CX Hairs podcast with Vanderpoel and Christopher Blevins. So check that out. We'll link to that in the podcast, but you can find that over at wineanglepodium.com or I think they have cxhairs.com too um i was talking about community they were talking about just how mountain bikes fun i think that was my intro so if you were hanging there to wait for what my illusion or our segue was it was based around that um but in terms of this idea of getting into cyclocross season i think the big thing is taking a break at some point hopefully you've done that in June or July, you know, if your road season ended in June, as many road seasons do, or in mountain biking, you know, after those nationals or after, you know, one of your, your big races, you know, maybe take some family vacation as a lot of my clients are doing that sort of end of July or early August, um, finding a break in there somewhere just to let your body and mind rebuild. And then,
0: and I mean, I think actually this is a really good point. It doesn't have to necessarily be that you finish mountain bike season you take the break and cyclocross has to start. It could even be like a mid to late season mountain bike break. It's not so much like dividing the disciplines as much as it is taking a break.
1: I don't think so. Like I think again, if in the CX here's podcast, you'll see like the the disciplines aren't that different. I mean, I think you can tailor your training so that you're ready for both. I think you can ride both bikes. Uh, Certainly in this era of gravel grinding, the, ability to ride your cross bike for your road day and stuff like i think there's a lot of crossover there you could be doing like certainly i don't ride actual road bikes that much um, you know you can certainly start incorporating dismounts into your mountain bike rides and even your road rides like every park you go by um, and just start thinking about that so after you've taken that break you're going to use maybe august september to sort of do that bit of transition in preparation for cross if you're a runner hopefully you've been running as we do. But if you're, you know, not a runner, but going to cross race, then, you know, I, I'm of the opinion, we're going to maybe do a whole episode on should you run. So if you like that idea, maybe give us some Twitter motivation on that or, or Instagram or something. Um, but I, I think that you need to be getting on and off your bike frequently for sure. Um, and, and that's really what people are missing when they start talking about running. I think they actually mean the mounts dismounts because that's where a lot of the time is lost as just crappy mounts dismounts, uh, and because you're going to hit the ground and have to move your feet, you're going to do some element of walking or running when you do that. And that can be hike bikes, that can be just getting over logs on the trail, uh, or actually just in a park, sort of doing some mounts dismounts over something or not, just in a just on and off your bike. Um, and and I think again the intervals, you know, my favorite is a five by two. That's my big like mountain bike workout, and I think that works pretty well for cross as well. You could start doing some micro intervals, something like a 30-30. I really like the 30-30-30-30, which is run for 30 seconds, coast for, you know, corner, easy for 30 seconds, sort of sprint for 30 seconds really hard, and then coast corner for 30 seconds. Uh, It's sort of another cyclocross one I really like. So you could start incorporating that, and I don't think you'd see a huge downfall in your mountain biking as you finish that off in August. Um, Molly's point that September doesn't necessarily mean cross season started is a good one I think you could also ease into that and take September a little easier as a sort of build up to cyclocross as well a lot of people who are racing locally you know probably don't have that much going on in September even though cross season keeps pushing earlier
0: I think I also just technically mean like you know Ontario provincials for mountain bike are August 26th so if you've taken like early to mid-August off you could do mountain bike provincials and then the next week start cyclocross I say it doesn't have to be like such a hard line like mountain bike season is over cyclocross season is coming I need to take the break between the two
1: no and I think we've seen you know Katarina Nash has been on the podcast um and Catherine Pendrell's another example of they've gone almost directly from mountain bike worlds right to cross Vegas and they all podiumed and
0: and then they take a break
1: in their case, for sure, right? And they're, they've they been driving hard all year and are coming off of a huge A race, right? But I, I, a lot of people don't have a huge A race at the end of the season. I, I shouldn't say that. At the end of August, necessarily, right? Like, a lot of people are that, like, Nationals in July, Leadville at the beginning of August. Um, what else is a big, you know, Dirty Kansas in May. Like, a lot of these big races, you know, at least in my sphere i'm sure you can give me examples of races that aren't but bc bike race uh trans rockies is happening this week uh what else is there like what else do people do Uh,
0: single track six we know is going well that's that's the trans rockies one yeah
1: yeah um so i mean it really depends what your mountain biking and gravel grinding is but i think a lot of people there isn't something you know there is an opportunity to start transitioning towards cross um and, and i think you can be ready uh, so as far as resources, again, I'll, that CX Harris podcast, I think, is a, a good one to get motivated with. Uh, I just put up a 16-week plan that will take you right through cycle Cross season that includes uh, two months, I think, basically, of preparation for that. It includes that 30-30-30-30 workout, uh, as well as a bunch of other preparation stuff. Um, and then we had another resource. What was the other resource? Oh, if you want to sign up and check out, what is the, po- the website? smartathlete.ca slash cx course is where we're going to post this Uh, i have a mount dismount course coming out with the ryan leach connection uh, which is a membership sort of skill site Uh, so if you want to find out sort of more about that and maybe sign up to find out when that gets released sort of towards the end of august that's going to be sort of a progression that's going to take your mounts from wherever they are to really good uh percent guaranteed (laughs)
0: <laughs> or um, Peter will come to your house and do a private session. Yeah.
1: We just filmed that the other day. So, uh, I'm an extra. It, it, it's, it's in editing. Molly is featured in this video for sure. Yeah. We have drones there. It, yeah. It's high end. There's kids screaming. running by. Uh, but yeah, if you want to check out that, that's again, smartathlete.ca slash CX course. Uh, and again, we'll link that in the show notes. If you want to check that out, that'll get you sort of amped and working on that skill component for cyclocross. Uh, yeah I, I don't know I think that's a lot of nutrition talk and stuff hopefully there was some interesting stuff there so if you do have any more questions for the next Q&A those can be had at the Athlete.ca. there's a contact page there
0: consummateathlete.com
1: .com yes not .ca don't go to .ca we should get that though uh you can also message us at twitter I'm at peter glassford and you are
0: at molly j herford
1: and that's the same on instagram yes yep uh, love when you guys reach out and just sort of say, this is what I'm thinking. This is what I disagree with. This is an idea for a guest or a topic. Uh, and like Molly says, we have Christopher McDougall coming up. Who else do we have? Can we give any more spoilers?
0: Um, I don't, I, I don't Molly really want says no. to. It's There's so many good ones that we have a lot about the BC bike race coming up, and I'm so excited about that. I did not expect to be. Um, But I'm kind of sold on it. And we've actually been recording a ton of episodes lately, so we have quite a few. But
1: you can't spoil any of them, aside from there might be a BC Bike Race one.
0: There might be a BC Bike Race one. Um, We will, actually, since we did mention Iron War before. We do have Matt Fitzgerald coming back Oh, you just
1: spoiled that. I know. So two, two big authors, the two big authors we mentioned today
0: yeah so lots of good stuff so make sure that you're subscribed over in itunes and hey while you're there uh leave us a rating or review that would be pretty sweet that does
1: help a lot yeah it definitely helps get people on the show find it you know up in the rankings and so forth so i mean it's pretty easy now so if you could do a couple stars for us that would be amazing doesn't cost you anything probably have to go there to download anyhow so that's enough for today Thank you so much for listening.
0: All right. Have a great week, guys. The Constant Athlete Podcast is part of the Wide Angle Podium Network. Supporting Wide Angle Podium gets you access to podcasts like ours and keeps your favorite shows on the air and constantly improving. You also get access to rad bonus content when you donate.
1: Check out wideanglepodium.com for show information, other Wide Angle Podium podcasts, and to become a donating member with awesome bonuses you'll help support the consummate athlete podcast and every donation helps us keep improving the quality of the show
0: again that url is wideanglepodium.com donate thanks for any support thanks so much for tuning into the consummate athlete podcast Uh, You can check out my stuff over at theoutdooredit.com or by following me on Instagram and Twitter at Molly J. Herford. And you can check out Peter's coaching, training plans, blogs, all that fun stuff over at smartathlete.ca or by following him on Twitter and Instagram at Peter Glassford. And if you want to support this show and other awesome podcasts, please check out wideanglepodium.com for show info, other podcasts bonus content, and to become a donating member so you can get all of that rad behind the scenes content and help keep shows like this on the air. And lastly, if you're enjoying this podcast and all the information that we're bringing to you every single week, uh, do us a solid and pop into iTunes to leave us a rating and review. It takes you about two seconds. You can do it on your computer. You can do it on your phone, and it really helps us out. Thanks so much, and we will see you next week.